I don't know if you guys have heard of this myth, but it's a common misconception that creativity is exclusively housed in the right side of the brain, whereas the left side of the brain is analytical. Welcome to Artist Talk Central, where we ask artists about their dreams and journeys and challenges and struggles. I'm your host, Buddy, and a bit of a weird friend, Sharice. Let's get right into it. Welcome everybody back to Artist Talk Central. Welcome new listeners and old listeners. I know I've been away for about a few weeks, uh, but some of you might know that I recently moved to Melbourne, Australia. I'm now studying in the University of Melbourne. I'm studying a Bachelor of Science. We are going to have a little bit of an evolution to this podcast. And here in season two, which is now the official start of season two, I never did a finale for season one, which I should have, but now here we are, um, season two first episode, I thought that we would incorporate a segment called Arts and Science. I came across a topic which was quite interesting, which was the neuroscience of creativity. Today's topic is revolved around connection between neuroscience, well, neuroplasticity, and creativity in the human brain. And we're going to debunk some myths about creativity and about artists and how the brain plays a role in the creative process. I don't know if you guys have heard of this myth, but it's a common misconception that creativity is exclusively housed in the right side of the brain, whereas the left side of the brain is analytical. But we're going to debunk this myth because actually, according to the research that I did, it's actually not true. Although that each hemisphere does have its own way of processing information, the left and the right hemisphere, they process information differently. However, there is no specific area of the brain that is exclusively responsible for creativity. And in order to understand how creativity is networked and is formed in our brain, we have to go back to the basics of the nervous system. So our brain has an average, the human brain has an average of around 86 billion neurons. And neurons are cells in our nervous system that transmit information, for example, ideas that we have or the executions of things through electric and chemical signals. Neurons are connected with each other by synapses, but that's just biology stuff. And the networks are formed by these interconnecting neurons, which creates pathways for information processing in the brain. And one of the biggest differences that differentiates the nervous system between animals and humans is that we have a concept called neuroplasticity. The brain is able to change and adapt and learn. We're able to learn from environmental factors. We're able to adapt. We're able to change. And humans are able to think divergently and abstractly, which animals cannot do. And this ability to think divergently and to think abstractly allows the generation of multiple different solutions and to explore alternate possibilities. That's why we as humans are the only species that can imagine an alternate reality, whereas animals are not able to do that. This comes from the evolution of our very complex prefrontal cortex that is responsible for the development of these networks. Now that we've explained a little bit about the nervous system and the human beings, we can get into the specifics that are related perhaps to the creative process and how our brain networks and plays a role in creating this process. 
According to research, there are three brain networks that play a role in the creative process. We have the default mode network, which is active when our mind wanders around and we enter a relaxed state of mind. This allows, you know, our imaginations to flow. This allows us to generate novel ideas, which is which I find really fascinating because artists, in order for them to be creative, need to relax like we need time to just do nothing to just sit around and literally well maybe some people call it procrastination but really it allows the brain to activate the default mode network which generates these ideas and we also have another brain network that plays a role in this creativity process which is the central executive network and this is responsible for the execution of a specific task so once the idea is generated this involves the cognitive processes for example of working such as working memory decision making and cognitive control there's a switch however to these two different brain networks called the salience network this network acts as a switch to facilitate between the two different networks so that they are smooth and that we can jump from having a focused action and to also be creative and generate multiple different ideas at the same time. This network also detects and filters relevant information to our external and internal environmental factors. So for example, even though an artist could be in their very free flow state of creativity, you still have to somewhat be aware of your external environmental factors, which is why the brain allows the kicking in and out of these two brain networks, the default mode network and the central executive network which I find very interesting. And I came across a video of a neuroscientist talking about creativity and improvisation. And she talks about when musicians, for example, jazz musicians or rappers, they improvise. Something really fascinating um, appears in their brains. So they did a study, had the musicians or the rappers each do either a memorized piece or just go free flow, a freestyle piece, a free jazz piece improvisation to see which parts of their brains are actually activated during the improvisation process and how that relates to the creativity of how, how the brain works. And they found out that in spontaneous creative acts that the part of the brain that is responsible for your self-awareness and for your self-consciousness, which scientifically is known as the dorsal collateral frontal cortex, is actually turned down. And this allows more activation for the part of the brain that facilitates the internal generations of different ideas and the creation of novel associations between concepts. Which means when we're spontaneously being creative, our needs to conform to, for example, social norms or our awareness of our external environmental factors are actually somewhat inhibited or lowered in a way, which allows the other network to generate multiple different ideas connections, connections that sometimes seem very far apart from each other. So sometimes I see people when they create music or when they create art, how do they have these two very seemingly very polar different ideas 
and make them into a connection of something, which I find very fascinating in the human brain. But according to what I research, and apparently for the person creating it, they're just doing the most logical next step. So after the generation of the first idea, they generated a second idea, which immediately pieces the two together, which created something very fascinating, for example. But to an outsider, it would seem like they had a big jump and that was a very creative process for them, which is something that I find really interesting uh, during my research. Apparently, I have too much time instead of doing real uni stuff to actually just do something else entirely differently. Um, but yeah, during improv, we're in a state of free-flowing information of these novel ideas, which leads to these unexpected connections, which lead to sometimes great ideas. So why are some people perhaps more creative than others? I came across a researcher whose name is Bao Lotto. He wrote a book called The Science of Seeing Differently. And I actually, I'm really excited to read that book. I would definitely maybe buy it someday on Kindle and just have a whirl at it. But in his book, he mentioned that our brain is wired to seek certainty. It is evolved that way because it is essential for our survival. And as we know, we avoid uncertainty. Therefore, which comes into play, that creativity actually is the opposite of what is certain. Because in order to be creative, you have to ask questions. You have to say, what if this? What if that? And what about this? And to be creative is actually to step away from the certainty. Because creativity thrives from uncertainty and questions and assumptions. And to be creative, we have to basically unlearn thousands and millions of years of evolution that taught us to seek that certainty, which is just fascinating. We have to un unwire millions of years of evolution that wired us to wired us for confirmational bias. Being creative being creative basically requires you to challenge your assumptions of the things that you already know to be quote-unquote true and to say that, you know what, everything that I think right now is based on an assumption. It is based on an, an, it is based on an assumption of something that I learned in my past. That's something that I have been taught or I have experienced, but everything is actually an assumption. And in order to be creative, we have to doubt everything we believe to be true. That's why a creative individuals, as he said in his book, creative individuals are able to hone their ability to move linearly from mental possibilities, forging connections between seemingly very disparate ideas. So they have the ability to connect the dots that perhaps other people would think that there are such different ideas. And really, by engaging in art and in music in a very young age, for example, it has shown that it activates many parts of our brains that, involve, that are involved in perception, in emotions, in memories, and our motor skills. And I'm not saying that, you know, if you haven't done this since a young age, that you cannot start increasing your creativity. I'm not saying that you're stuck in your ways or you're stuck in your zone. I'm actually saying that, you know, maybe it is time to, even for me, to try and increase my creativity and to explore different things by putting away everything that I assumed to be true in the past. And to 
even more strengthen your creativeness and to foster neuroplasticity is by repeatedly activating these parts of your brain. And because artistic activity stimulates divergent thinking, divergent thinking is the stimulation of different ideas, novel ideas, different pathways, alternate pathways. And it allows us to generate different perspectives, which allows us to be even more creative to create different things. And I think we should encourage everyone to start thinking and exploring multiple possibilities and thinking outside the box and developing an original idea. By encouraging creative thinking, it contributes to problem-solving skills and basically gives ways to innovation in various different domains, if you think about it. And I wanted to add on the part where where Bao where Baolado says that something really fascinating about creative people is that when an outsider sees their work or sees their art piece and hears their art piece, it is a, these are very seemingly disparate ideas that make it so fascinating because they the artists themselves manage to foster them together. And I wanted to add a little bit more for that because sometimes I I really treasure and I really take pride in my lyrics in my songwriting. And to other people, people, I don't want to seem like I'm bragging, but people have told me that, wow, the way that you like write lyrics is so creative. And sometimes they're fascinated about how, on how quick it is for me to get a song done or write a song. And in reality, for me, according to neuroscience, my brain is basically just taking the next logical step to creating it. And talking about being in the zone and the free flow of ideas, my brain basically kicks the switch between awareness and, you know, the awareness of my external and internal self and basically just does this little thing of creating music which I find incredibly fascinating, and I hope you did too. We have gone a little slightly off topic, but the neuroscience doesn't just end with the person who is creating the art. It also has a very large impact on the person who is perceiving the art, which comes to our next little bit of the topic, which is neuroaesthetics. Neuroaesthetics is basically a field that seeks to understand the neural basics of artistic and aesthetic experiences and the perception of beauty. It is basically a combination of neuroscience, psychology, and a bit of philosophy in terms of how the brain processes and responds to art and other artistic stimuli. Researchers and scientists have tried to use different neuroimaging techniques, for example, functional MRI, to study the brain activity whilst an individual engages in aesthetic stimuli. And this allows us to understand how the brain perceives and evaluates the quality of art, music, literature, and other forms of basically artistic creations. I came across something interesting, which was a study that shows that artists and basically people who are very intensively trained in that specific form of art, they basically exhibit different brain activities and neuroconnectivity when perceiving and creating the art. And these findings basically suggest that these expertise shape the way that the brain responds to these artistic stimuli, which actually makes a lot of sense because once you understand an art piece, once you understand the work or the technique or the level of 
emotion that is connected to this art piece. In general, people would be able to appreciate it more. And that ultimately links to the brain's reward system, which suggests that there is a connection between the, these neurostimuli and the feeling of reward and pleasure in our brain. And under the same umbrella of neuroaesthetics, I came across a very interesting neurological phenomenon about two, three years ago when somebody told me um, that they could see, um, I think it was colors in notes. And I thought that was weirdly fascinating, but then I also didn't think it was actually true. Um, but now I got to do a little bit more research on it. And apparently, um, synesthesia is when the stimulation of one sensory or cognitive pathway leads to a voluntary experience in another one. It could be a sound color related uh, synesthesia is when sound triggers uh, a color perception. Or when you see numbers, it immediately relates you to a shape or a color. Um, there are different types of synesthesia. Um, and actually only about two to four percent of the population have this condition, which is which is really, really. The way that this actually works in the brain is still being studied, but basically it's the mixing and blending of different sensory experiences. So sound, smell, um, imagination, and they, they basically are mixed together when cannot even begin to imagine for that person. Uh, I guess there are good and bads to both sides. I mean, it allows so many different possibility in terms of imagination, but also it's it could be potentially very disruptive to your day-to-day -day life. I don't know. I mean, I think I have to do a little bit more research and talk to more people about this. Please let me know in the comment section or on our Instagram if you find this interesting or perhaps this is not at all for our audience. I would like to try new things for Artist Talk Central. I'm up to any kinds of different topic ideas. I, I want to expand as an artist but not only through art but also the different realms of things that create art. For example, like the science of art or even art and gender studies i i would love to have different people on the podcast so if you're listening and you would like to contribute and come on this podcast and discuss something something art related to you and or me i would love to have you on my podcast please just give me a dm we are at artist underscore talk underscore central um that took me a little bit of time to mumble out at artist talk central and I would love to do a collaboration with you and let's talk about all things art, which is what this podcast is about. Thank you for tuning in on the second season, first episode of the second season of Artist Talk Central. I'm so excited to what's of what's to come in my future endeavors in Melbourne and tune in for more next week. Thank you. Bye.